In the transport sector, we're about to find out how a rail company used a podcast to literally roll out a new line. Worldwide, brands are engaging with customers through podcasts. These are the stories behind outstanding brand podcasts, so you can listen, learn, and be inspired by the best. These are the award winners from dustpod.io. Greater Anglia, the train operator for the east of England, has just finished a complete fleet replacement with all new trains which are more comfortable, faster and better for the environment. Their PR consultant, Kerry Worrell, got people back on the trains and exploring the local area using a particularly engaging podcast as part of her marketing mix. If you've got a kind of vision for how you can really bring your organisation or your product to life, it's a really good idea to try and have as many elements in your kind of marketing mix as possible. They really were value for money because we were able to continue to engage with people and offer them something of real value. Yeah, it was a a really good good use of, of the PR budget. In our award winners podcast right now, Kerry shares why she chose a podcast format as she made the whole process as easy as possible to create and some of the techniques that she used to successfully market it. I started my chat with Kerry by asking what was the marketing message that she needed to get across about the new post-pandemic fleet? So at the moment, it's all about um, trying to um, bring people back by letting them know um, about about the fleet transformation program, about these wonderful new trains that people can travel on, really good travelling experience, um, highlighting the great value fares that people can take advantage of, and also kind of talking about the railway's green credentials. And as an industry, the target is to reach net zero by 2030. Um, and there's a huge amount of work going on across the business at the moment to uh, decarbonise, reduce waste, recycle more, um, the new trains are more environmentally friendly by design, um, so they have the ability to switch from diesel to electric mode to help kind of reduce uh, diesel use. Uh, they have regenerative braking that returns energy back to the overhead uh, lines that other trains can pick up. So we're kind of trying to um, really promote all the time, you know, the benefits of rail travel for communities, for society, but for the individual passenger um, as well, and trying to encourage people to switch out of their cars and and um, you know enjoy the sort of convenience and the ease of rail. There's a lot in there. What would you say in relation to the podcast we're going to talk about? What was the most important one of those messages? Well, it's really about getting people to um, feel interested in the idea of jumping aboard a train and going off and exploring the region. You know, you've got all this beautiful um, countryside, amazing landscapes right on your doorstep and it was about kind of wetting that appetite, I suppose, for um, actually getting out there and enjoying it again. And tell me, when you brought this then to the company, how did you, did you find it hard to convince people to go with the podcast? Uh, No, not really, because I think in that situation where we were in lockdown, no other marketing could happen. And so because we, we had some space to kind of say, well, let's try this new format. Let's see if it works for us. And really, it was the ideal way to sort of still reach people, still engage with people. And it meant that we could do something. I, I took the idea to the uh, the media team at Greater Anglia and they're really keen to to give it a go. And um, also we had to um, talk to our community rail partnerships about the idea. And I think for them, they loved the idea because it was a really good opportunity to focus solely on their branch line and kind of bring out some of those great characters and people and places, a bit of the history and the culture. So it was a real kind of 
in-depth look at, at their area. So yeah, worked well. As we travel through these leafy, tree-lined cuttings, it's easy to forget the changing fortunes of the landscape beyond. Once upon a time, there was no railway, and goods would be moved to and from this area by boat or cart. It certainly would have taken a lot longer, and lives in the villages and towns would have been less conveniently connected. That was until a wave of Victorian entrepreneurship saw the railways roll into town, creating new opportunities for business, trade, and eventually tourism. Well, we've burst forth into the open to cross a magnificent viaduct. Below I can see the villages of Chapel and Wakescole, and here at the station I'm disembarking to find out how the railways changed history for the eastern counties. How did you get guests onto the podcast? We didn't really struggle to find people to, to, to get involved at all, actually. Um, I think a lot of people were really keen to get involved. We worked with a production agency uh, to put these together. It was a case of kind of going to the community rail partnerships, asking them if they knew people in the community who they thought would be um, you know, sort of a, a good person to put up for interview. And we also, we're, we're really, really lucky because on the rail network, we, we run a station adoption scheme. And so each, well, most of the stations on our network, we have people from the community who are involved with their local station. They help kind of carry out improvements or they help with um, a bit of promotion or they make amazing, beautiful gardens and help with like wildlife and biodiversity at stations. And so we were able to kind of draw on their knowledge, but also ask some of them to get involved as well. And then we kind of um, put all those people across to the, to, to the podcast agency and uh, they kind of pick, you know picked who they thought would be you know which locations and and they sort of helped us to kind of plan it all out logistically. What kind of time commitment did you have in preparing an episode? Um, so so my um, involvement and the community rail partnerships involvement was kind of in the sort of planning stages and it was explaining to the agency what kind of direction we wanted to take, where we wanted our focus to be because we didn't want it to just kind of sound like an advert for for getting on a train. We really wanted it to be about the kind of the, the history, the culture, the community. So it was about kind of advising on that and then finding the people to kind of get involved. And then from that point onwards, you know, we were really lucky to work with a really brilliant agency who then kind of ran with that, put the whole thing together and obviously liaised with us really closely throughout as well to make sure that it was in line with, with what we were hoping for. So I think because of that, actually the, the time commitment, you know, wasn't sort of too much. It wasn't a wasn't a burden. Actually, it's such an exciting process to be involved in anyway. So yeah, uh, it, it was it was fine from that point of view. Can I ask your experience carry on this? Because it's something that comes up kind of regularly. You can get a, a presenter, professional presenter who's used to being on radio or podcasts or in front of a microphone, talking to people and all that. Or you can have somebody from within the company who doesn't have that polish, but my God, they know everything there is to know about the brand and the product and whatever it is you're talking about. Uh, and it's kind of like, eh, you've been down both roads. You've had a professional presenter and now you have people in-house presenting. Tell me, can you compare the two for me and what you like about each? Yeah, I think it completely depends on what you're trying to create as to which road you, you go down. For Lives on the Lines, I think it was so essential that we had a professional 
presenter to pull everyone's voices together, give that narrative thread. And she approached it. She was so professional. She had she approached it with so much humour that worked so well. And she always kind of knew what to say, you know, that kind of professional interviewer um, experience. It, you could, it really helped and it helped the people who were, who were being interviewed who weren't experienced in, in doing anything like this before. So it was perfect for that. I think for Life on Rails, having people from the company actually talking and, as you say, giving that real sort of breadth of their knowledge and experience to help customers have a better experience. I think that works perfectly for something uh, like that. It helps to build trust and it helps to build um, that kind of connection with the brand. So I think it entirely depends on what, on what you're trying to achieve from your podcast. We're surrounded by hills and I think on one of these hills there is quite a local landmark. Yes, St Stephen's Chapel that's been there since the 9th century. Wow. Oh yes, and beyond St Stephen's Chapel is an interesting recent addition that in the side of the hill, dragon, very like the white horses in other parts of the country, but because we're not in chalk country, and putting that dragon in, it had to be chalked afterwards to keep the outline. But it's it's a wonderful... Still to come on the Award Winners Podcast, we'll hear how Kerry and Grace Anglia promoted their podcast and why analytics weren't always the be-all and end-all for them. If you feel a brand podcast could work for you, here are three simple things you can do today to get started. One... Visit our website to get more information and guides on how podcasts work specifically for brands, along with lots more examples of award-winning brand podcasts to inspire you. Two, you can call us with your questions and we're happy to help. Three, you could consider working with us, so you do all the fun stuff and we do everything else. Find that information on our website at dustpod.io. Back to Greater Anglia's award-winning Lives on the Line podcast and their PR consultant, Kerry Worrell, who was behind the project. After so much effort had gone into creating the podcast, I asked Kerry what she and Greater Anglia did to promote it and grow an audience. Yeah, we launched them in March 21. And I think in the first month, uh, we had about a thousand listens of the podcast. So we were really happy with that. We promoted them on social media. So I think in the first month, we were kind of really surprised actually people really kind of were interested in them and we had really lovely feedback from people kind of saying oh you know it was so lovely to hear about this line and when I can I'm going to go out and explore it for myself and things like that so so that was really really great to get that kind of feedback. So but how did you actually get the word out what did you do to tell people that the podcast exists? So they were available on every platform. We had like just a really simple, um, really simple link, and uh, we actually just put it out on our social media channels and, and, and promoted it on there. So I think it was organically promoted at that point. And we didn't do any paid social media promotion of them until much later on. So how did you find the difference then between organic and paid? Uh, so we've seen it. So it kind of it seems to go in peaks. So whenever you whenever you promote it, if you put that effort into letting people know continually about it, you can see in the um, analytics of the podcast that you get those little peaks every time you you push it. We got a lot more um, listens, you know, doing the paid promotion, which we're still we're still using them now because the idea was that you can use them while you're traveling, so they could actually even act as a guided tour if you're on the train and you put the podcast on for the line that you're on. Uh, you can actually use it as a guided tour as you're going along. So 
they've still got that relevance now as well, which is really good. We can continue to push them. We can we can use them for for years, really, if we want to. I'm really curious to know about the uh, the paid outlets that you use. Which which ones did you use that you found worked? So we've restricted our um, paid promotion of these to social media, so Facebook and Instagram. Though we could have promoted through um, the Apple platform or iTunes, but actually, the, the for us with you know the really small budgets that that we have available, it was quite expensive, and I think we felt that actually we could do more with our money pushing it through social media. You know, we we know that our audience is on Facebook, uh, for example, so um, we use that a lot anyway for a lot of our campaign promotions. So we knew that we could reach the right audience on there. And obviously you can geo-target. So yeah, that's that's the one we kind of have found works best for us. And how are you able then to connect people from, from a Facebook post uh, to the podcast? So the post always links um, directly to the podcast. So we have a smart URL and it just links directly to um, your uh, platform of choice. You know uh, what the podcast is doing and you know the effect that it's having and the positive things that it's bringing to the brand. But there's people who are kind of just sitting upstairs and they know nothing. They're just like, well, just show me the numbers, show me the numbers. Um, did you have, how, how did you work with those people? How did you present the success of the podcast to them? So the, um, the podcast analytics are all done by Omni. So it's a really, really good analytic tool. And you can just you can just pop in there. You can look at how many listens you've had in total. You can look for the previous month, the previous year. So it's been really easy to report back the success of the campaign. But there's also been um, you know, further opportunities from the podcast. For example, um, you know, we entered it for a number of awards. So we were able to say that, you know, it, it's helped, you know, kind of um, improve the reputation of the company in that way. And also the feedback that that we've had. Uh, from people who have listened. So not only the quantitative um, kind of element of your analytics, but also just people saying, I loved this. You know, I really enjoyed listening to it. It is going to, I am going to take a journey because I've listened to this. So kind of bringing all those elements together, really demonstrating, uh, you know, the power that, that the podcast um, can have. Um, and one of the other things that, that we've actually decided to do with it as well is we have a, a sound archive, a Norfolk sound archive in our region. So we're actually going to donate the podcast to them. And so we we thought to have those, you know, preserved for a long time um, in a in a in a depository like that would be really useful for people in the future who are coming back to kind of study the region and look into things a bit more closely. We thought it would be a really useful resource for them in the future as well. Did you use the podcast to generate content, other forms of content like video or graphics or photos or anything like that? There was actually um, an, an idea of kind of taking some of the uh, because because we had the transcripts of um, of the podcasts, you know, putting those onto the to the website, and yeah, absolutely, it would be really easy to repurpose some of that and use it in in different ways in blogs, for example, destination blogs and things like that. So, yeah, I think once once you've done it and you've got it, you've just got this fantastic piece of content that you can then kind of look at repurposing in in as many ways as you want to. And how would you compare, because you've done the video and now you've done podcasts, how would you compare the two for effectiveness? I think they both kind of uh, do very different things. In terms of, of reach, the videos had more of an impact, uh, but the podcast, the way it performed was really, really impressive as well. So I think we we're all really pleased that we did it. It was an experiment that we feel was a successful one. And I just think it it just produced such a nice piece of content, you know, something that 
uh, really celebrated different parts of our region and the railway's involvement in it, but also just kind of looking at different parts of that community, the people in it, the history, the culture, some of the amazing sites and stuff. So I think it was really worth doing just from being able to have a really good focus on on one area and and showing people how great it could be. And I think it really worked from that point of view. Finally, can I ask you uh, your own favourite episode? Do you have a favourite episode and, and any particular reason why? Uh, I think there was one episode. It was about a um, it was about Buell Station, uh, where they were explaining about the history of um, this legend of the Buell's dragon. It was just you know a really really good look into history, but also to to then find out that now if you go there now, one of the farmers has created a big white chalk dragon on the hillside. Oh, another another favourite of mine was um, when they were looking at the Ely to Peterborough line and they interviewed a lady who was involved in the Eel Day Festival in Ely and she was explaining about the history of Eel Day Festival but also the importance of eels to the people of the town kind of in years gone by, the kind of way the culture developed alongside these eels and it, yeah, absolutely fascinating. And that's the the one where I thought, oh, I've got to go to the Eel Day Festival. I've got to get on a train and go to Ely and experience that because it just sounded absolutely fantastic. We've walked through, is this the Jubilee Gardens? This is the Jubilee Gardens that we've walked through. And the Jubilee Gardens is where the annual Eel Day Festival culminates, Yes. Right? Yes, that's right. This is a sort of central ground for um, the celebrations. There's a few things going on the day before up in the town, like a eel throwing contest, which is <laughs> not real eels, I hasten to add, but uh, handmade eels that can be thrown and the longest throw is the winner. Um, so <laughs> uh, strange uh, local uh, games and activities. But then the procession that starts on the Saturday weaves its way through the town and comes down to the Jubilee Gardens where there are lots of activities and stalls, eels to buy and to taste. And this um, is every May, isn't it? Yes. What advice would you have for marketers who are thinking of a podcast that want to make a, an impact? Well, what would you say to them? I think if you've got uh, the kind of vision for how you can really bring your um, your organisation or your product to life, it's a really good idea to try and have as many elements in your kind of marketing mix as possible. And then you're hopefully reaching as wide um, a range of people as possible in, in the way that they want to consume your content. So you're just kind of making it as easy as possible for anybody to be able to um, engage with your brand. Listen, Kerry, I can't thank you enough for taking the time and sharing your experience with the podcast. Thank you for joining us on Award Winners today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to be here. If you would like to take a listen to Greater Anglia's Lives on the Line podcast, you'll find a link to it in the description area of this podcast episode on your player right now. My thanks again to Kerry for sharing with us how the podcast supported her marketing message in a unique and engaging way and giving us a behind-the-scenes look at how it worked for the rail company. If you're considering a podcast for your own company or brand, you'll find some great resources on our website at dustpod.io. You can also arrange a call with me to chat about how a podcast could work for your brand specifically, or you could consider working with us so you do all the fun stuff and we do everything else. Until our next award winners podcast from myself, Dusty Rhodes, thank you for listening. The Award Winners is a Dustpod production from dustpod.io.